curious, kind of what does sales enablement mean to you, Liz? To me, it's getting the right lead that's in your target market and then gathering the right data about them. So you know what pain points you need to cover when you're selling your product to them. Uh, so basically, people buy because they're hoping for a better version of themselves. They're hoping uh, to relieve the pain points that they have. And so I think sales enablement is understanding what the lead's pain points are and then positioning your product so that you can solve those pain points. Hey y'all, I'm Tyler, and this is The Sales Lift, a sales enablement podcast hosted by me, Tyler Lindley. Today is episode five, automating your sales process with email marketing with Liz Willits. Liz and I had a great conversation. Uh, We discussed what she's learned after sending millions of emails. We also discussed using webinars to educate customers at different stages of their buyer's journey, uh, using also website analytics to track buying behavior, some marketing automation tips, and finally, some sales enablement ideas when you don't even have an actual sales team. is a great conversation. I'm really excited to bring you the sales lift right now. Hey, sales lift audience. It's Tyler Lindley, your host here. Today we have Liz Willits with A. Weber. Welcome to the show, Liz. How you doing? I'm good. How about you, Tyler? Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thanks for coming on. appreciate it. So uh, tell the audience a little bit about yourself, kind of what you do there at A. Weber. Sure. Yeah. I like to describe myself as an email marketing nerd. Uh, So I get really nerdy about email marketing. And at AWeber, I'm our senior content marketing specialist. Uh, So I manage uh, the content marketing strategy, but I also, yeah, I'm nerdy about email marketing. So I've sent millions of emails in the course of my career. And I'm always looking to see what the best emails have in common and what what is a high performing email. And I also work with thousands of businesses around the country to help them optimize and improve their email marketing strategies. Uh, And I'm also a a keynote speaker. So I really love to talk about email and like I said, super nerdy about it. (laughs) That's awesome. Very cool. How did you get into email marketing? Was it email marketing first or did you get into content marketing, doing blogs or how'd you get started? Right. Yeah. So I I first got into content marketing. Uh, I've always worked in SaaS. So I've always worked in software as a service. And um, my first job was at a small SaaS company and doing content marketing because I've always loved to write and to communicate. And so it started uh, very much as written content, uh, but now it's transitioned into a lot of speaking, which I never thought I would love. I took public speaking in college because I had to take it. And at the time I thought, oh, I'm never, never going to use this. Uh, I don't like public speaking. And now I realize that I really love it. Uh, and yeah, that's awesome. basically how I got into all of it. Yeah, very cool. So when you do public speaking, what type of events do you usually speak at? And are you you talking about content marketing mainly or AWeber? Or what do you what do you talk about when you do public speaking? Yeah. So I'm usually talking about email. Uh, So how to create a great email campaign, how to have a really effective email marketing strategy. And of course, AWeber as well. Uh, It's an awesome tool for email marketing. And the type of conferences, I speak at a lot of digital marketing conferences uh, around the country uh, and some more industry-focused conferences like travel conferences. So just all kinds of different conferences. Right. Do you feel like your public speaking, does that lend itself to making you better at email marketing? Like, writing better emails? Do you think the two are related or? 
I do. Well, I think communication um, is a skill that you need to have in email marketing. And email marketing happens to be written communication. But when you improve your verbal communication, it also helps your written communication. Uh, and just knowing how to convey an idea in a way that people under understand the, the concepts. And one of the beauties of verbal uh, speaking and verbal communication is that you get to see your audience's reaction. And over time, you can see where they, where they are getting something and uh, where they instantly get it and how the way you communicate impacts that. Uh, and so I've learned a lot through webinars where people uh, get stuck on email marketing and how I can more clearly communicate uh, in written and verbal settings mm -hmm. uh, so that they better understand what I'm talking about. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, we were talking about webinars and how, you know, webinar attendance has gone way up. A lot of people at home and with more time right now, it sounds like our, our webinar is a key part of, of your kind of communication strategy. And, and, and what do you think, you know, what are webinars really for? Like how can marketing or sales teams use webinars effectively? What do you see there? Yeah, so... I think webinars are super powerful, especially when your product, you know, when we're marketing our product digitally. Uh, the big thing that people struggle with is, you know, trust, you know, trusting you enough to buy your product. And the nice thing about a webinar is you can get FaceTime with your leads uh, and you can get FaceTime with your customers and teach them not only the concepts they need to know to be successful with your product, but also how to use the product. Uh, so over at a we use webinars as both customer education and as, you know, bringing leads down to the purchase decision. So they've been really effective for us. And during this, you know, the, during these crazy times, I've seen uh, attendance rates really skyrocket as well as registration rates. So it's been, uh, I think because people are at home more, I, the, the engagement has just really gone up. Right. Yeah. And, and you mentioned that FaceTime that you're getting with clients. It sounds like some of that FaceTime can be, you know, as, as people are maybe considering your product or service during the, during their sales process, you know, you can use that to, to educate folks and move them throughout that buyer's journey. Talk to me a little bit more about that is about when, when you're trying to nurture folks, maybe with a webinar with content like that, what are you seeing as what are people coming to a webinar wanting to learn or understand before they make a purchase decision? Yeah. So often they're coming just to learn email marketing strategy and they're not even necessarily at the point where they're like shopping for a Weber. Uh, so what I do to kind of keep their, to keep their interest and also to familiarize them with the product is I will talk about high level email marketing strategies and concepts and show them examples of it in action. But then I use the Aweber product as I'm showing them different examples and how you would navigate different things. And the way I frame that is it'll probably be similar in your own email marketing platform. It's much easier to do this in Aweber, but you can do this in your own platform as well. And, you know, watching and seeing me use the platform will be helpful and will translate across different platforms. But I also make sure that if I have a lead in at the webinar, they are getting tons of value. So even if they decide, you know what, I'm not going to purchase the product today. I still want them to walk away and have learned a ton because then that gets them to come back and to watch again. And again, it's FaceTime, it's building a relationship and it's a whole content marketing theory where you give value over time and build that relationship. And then people are more likely to purchase from you in the future. 
Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, you talked about value, you talk about trust, and it sounds like you're talking high level about email marketing concepts that they could use with any tool. Obviously, in some of the webinars, you go into more detail about a Weber and how that might work, but but at the end of the day, giving that good content, showing value, building trust with your audience, it sounds like is an effective strategy to kind of keep the concepts high level, at least in kind of a webinar type environment. Is that is that kind of what you're going for? Or? Yeah, sure. And I definitely have different types of webinars. So I have more mid-funnel webinars and more bottom-funnel webinars. And a mid-funnel webinar, you know, I'm making sure that a lead uh, takes away educational value that they can use outside of the product if they want to. And a bottom-funnel of webinar is mostly a product demo and selling them on the value of the product and everything they can do inside of it. Right. Gotcha. Makes sense. One thing that we were talking about, so this is a sales enablement podcast. So we talk a lot about how marketing and sales teams can work better together and how, uh, what you can do to empower your sales teams. One interesting note that you had is, you know, Aweber used to have a sales team and no longer does. It now kind of goes from marketing to customer success and, and the sales team model didn't really make sense for you. How do you feel like people can do sales enablement in that kind of an environment where there isn't necessarily a dedicated sales point of contact? You know, how does that work uh, when the sales team is small or maybe even non-existent? And a lot of that, you know, a lot of the sales enablement is actually happening from marketing or maybe even customer success after the sale. Right. Well, there's there's two things. One is giving the team members who are handling these sales relationships some level of baseline training in sales and, you know, an understanding of how to communicate with leads. Uh, but also email marketing can play a big role in that because you can use an automated funnel to get people to the buying decision without a sales team. And so we've seen that to be really effective. Uh, and it's all about gathering the right information about your lead when you first get them uh, so that you know what funnel to put them into so that you can convert them. Uh, but yeah, it's our marketing team and our customer solutions team both play a role as our, our sales team and uh, communicating with leads when they need that personal that personal touch uh, to come to a buying decision. Mm -hmm. But email plays a big part in bringing them there. Right. So you use a lot of email to sell email mar an email marketing solutions. So. <laughs> yes, <Yeah>, surprising. <laughs> <laughs> no wonder you've gotten so good at email. So, you know, one thing that we, we like to ask everybody is kind of what is your definition of sales enablement or kind of when you think about sales enablement, what does that really mean to you? Because it seems like everybody kind of has a different idea or definition based on their background. So I'm curious, kind of what does sales enablement mean to you, Liz? To me, it's getting the right lead that's in your target market and then gathering the right data about them. So you know what pain points you need to cover when you're selling your product to them. Uh, so basically people buy because they're hoping for a better version of themselves. They're hoping uh, to relieve the pain points that they have. And so I think sales enablement is understanding what the leads pain points are mm -hmm. and then positioning your product so that you can solve those pain points. Right. Yeah, I love that. I love the right lead with the right data. How do y'all go about getting that right data? I mean, are you, do you do it in phases? Are you trying to do it all at once? Does it depend on kind of where they are in their journey? Kind of what are y'all seeing as some best practices as getting that data, but getting it in the right ways at the right times, I guess? 
Right. Yeah. So, I mean, we definitely gather data over time. So over the life cycle of, of, um, or the life journey of a lead. And, um, initially when someone's top of funnel, we're gathering less data, uh, because we don't want to scare them away. Uh, but one of the big strategies that I've, I've told marketers and I've told small businesses is don't be afraid to ask questions on your lead gen forms on your landing page, uh, on your landing pages. I think a lot of people feel that they should just ask for the email address and they're afraid of scaring people away by asking questions that are going to give them really valuable data. But I've done a lot of A-B testing on that myself. And if you're keeping your form fields at around like three to five fields, there's very little drop in conversion rates that I've seen through my own testing. Now, I definitely recommend you test it yourself. uh, But I always tell small businesses, don't just ask for email address, ask for some more information that's going to help you sell your product. Mm -hmm. So let's say you're a food blogger. Maybe you ask people for their dietary preferences Mm -hmm. on, on your form. And so that way, you know, if they say that they're vegan, you can send them vegan recipes. You can send them your vegan cookbook, uh, and targeting people in that way is going to be much more effective and it's going to enable you uh, to sell much better. Right. Yeah. I love that. I love, it seems like if a form is maybe related to something they're interested in, like you mentioned a food blogger asking about dietary preferences, they're already probably indicating somewhat an interest of food if they're, if they're on that website. So if the, if maybe some of those few questions are really, uh, really related to that topic, you already know that they have some baseline interest in maybe a little bit easier for them to, you know, for them to want to fill one of those in? Do you think, do you think that's why, or, or what do you think there in terms of, you know, making those forms related to the content? Right. Yeah. I mean, I definitely think, uh, really important to make your lead gen forms, your lead gen landing pages related to the content. And there's certain things you can assume about your audience's preferences based on the page of your site that they're on or the blog posts that they're reading. Uh, so there are certain times where you can just cut out questions that you would normally ask because you can assume by the content that they're consuming and, um, their, their journey on your site that they, you know, you can assume data about them, which can be dangerous because sometimes you're wrong. <laughs> Uh, but it can also get people down the funnel more quickly because you can ask more bottom of funnel questions on those lead gen forms. Uh, so I definitely recommend tailoring uh, the questions you're asking about your lead uh, to the content they're consuming uh, and uh, gathering more and more data over the lifetime of that relationship. Gotcha. Yep. That makes sense. And have that all pour back into a centralized location. So you're having all that data compiled and you're seeing all of that data come in in real time. And then, you know, when they might be ready you know, bottom of the funnel, ready to really have an offer, you know, a sales offer for them to make a purchase decision. Right. Right. Yeah. And you know, a big part of it too, beyond just gathering the data is seeing how they're, they're acting mm-hmm. on your site and with your content. Um, so what links are they clicking on? What sites, uh, what pages on your site are they visiting? And if they're visiting bottom of level pages, you know, like your features page, like your pricing page, you can more safely assume that they are bottom of funnel and closer to mm-hmm. a purchasing decision. So in your, in with Aweber, given that there's not this handoff, from marketing to sales, you know, when they get to that middle or bottom of the funnel, they start really showing some of those buying signals. You know, what happens next? Do they just get put into a a different, you know, email marketing campaign that would then push them down that path or or where would they go given that 
typically in, in some companies, they would get handed off to sales at that point. What happens in your organization? Right. Yeah. So they're put in bottom of funnel marketing, email marketing campaigns. And so we promote bottom of funnel content to them that way. So if I realize the leads bottom of funnel, I'm, I'm inviting them to demos. I'm inviting them to all kinds of really bottom of funnel uh, content. I'm sending them sales emails, anything that's going to encourage them to buy. So really we just have mid funnel content uh, and bottom of funnel content. And we promote that differently depending on where you are in the funnel and we use email marketing. Uh, it's <laughs> one of the beauties of, of email is if you are a smaller team and if you don't have a sales team, email marketing, uh, automated email marketing can really pick up some of that slack that you need to pick up because you don't have a sales team. So it's great for small businesses. It's great for medium sized businesses who don't have a sales team because you can target it so efficiently and uh, so effectively and kind of pick up some of that slack that uh, you need to when you don't have a sales team. Right. And, and you're almost, you know, we like to talk a lot about getting more out of your sales and your marketing teams. It sounds like with email marketing and with some of that automation you're talking about, you're getting more from that marketing spend. You're getting more from those campaigns and your marketing team might just be a few folks, but really can act like a, an army of marketers because you can really create these campaigns and funnels that, that, you know, make, make customers feel heard and felt and understood at every stage of their buyer's journey. Right. Yeah. Right. And I think webinars play a big part in that because, mm -hmm. you know, I, I do regular demos and for customers who need those one-on-one -on -one questions answered, we are there to answer those questions, whether it's our customer solutions, team answering those questions, uh, whether it's our marketing team in one-on-one uh, -on -one emails, or if it's a demo where we have you know a few hundred people on the demo and we're able to spend two hours on there just answering questions and walking them through the product, they're still getting that personal touch, but we're doing it at scale because yep. we don't have a sales team who can do the one-on-one -on -one communication all the time. Right. Which at the end of the day, you know, a sales team will either make sense or it won't for your whatever product or service you have and whatever your price point is, however many, you know, what kind of volume you might need to do. Uh, but it sounds to me like your marketing and your customer solutions team, they are doing sales. Y'all are doing sales just in a, in a different way, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we're definitely still doing sales. You always have to do sales. Yep. Uh, so whether you have a dedicated sales team or not, you need to sell and you need to have people at your company who are equipped to sell and know how to talk about the product. So it's just, we, we have a sales team. It's just, you know, our sales team, they wear many hats. So they're also in customer solutions. They're also in marketing, uh, but they've been taught how to speak about the product and how to sell, even though they aren't professional salespeople, you know, which there are disadvantages to that because they're not a hundred percent of the time honing the craft of sales, which is uh, a huge advantage that a salesperson has. You know, they're phenomenally talented at sales because they spend all their time honing their craft. And so that's one of the disadvantages of it. Um, so it's important if you don't have a sales team, a dedicated sales team that you're training your staff uh, to know how to sell and to know how to talk about the product because, you know, someone might know how to educate about the product, but that's very different than knowing how to sell uh, and knowing how to speak in a way that's going to convince people to buy. Uh, so if you don't have a dedicated sales team, 
definitely give them, uh, the people who are acting as salespeople, give them some sales training. Yep. Yep. That makes sense. And you know, another interesting trend that, that I'm seeing a lot too, is that even folks with sales teams, they're doing more and more marketing activities now where they're creating content themselves. They might be doing webinars. They're, they're doing demos. So, you know, kind of on the flip side of this, I think more and more <laughs> sales folks are doing more and more content and marketing and educating now than before ever. So I think it works both ways, whether you have marketers, you know, acting as salespeople or salespeople acting as marketers. At the end of the day, I think the goals are the same and it just depends on how it's set up for your business and what works best for you. I think it can work in either way, but I think that we all have to be a little bit like a Swiss army knife and that we've got to put on our marketing hat sometimes, put on our sales hat sometimes, and also put on our customer success and solutions hat sometimes to make sure that the buyer's being felt and heard at every stage of the journey. So Yeah, I totally agree. And I think the line between sales and marketing is starting to, or the wall between sales and marketing is slowly starting to crumble, especially as you know, content marketing has impacted how we sell so profoundly. And now we realize that education is a big part yep. of, and value is a big part of the sales funnel and the cheesy, um, sleazy salesman, <laughs> uh, you know, that, that doesn't really work anymore. Right. And so I think sales experts are more and more realizing that they can be this valuable resource and this educator. And then when it comes to buying, uh, the sale is much easier. Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. I, I totally agree that content marketing is really all about that education. It's about building that trust. And it's funny salespeople that, you know, there's no longer the sleazy sales. I mean, I don't think as much anymore just because that type of selling is not effective anymore with the way people buy and, and the delay, even if there is a sales team, they're getting involved much later and later in the, in the, in the buying process. So, which is, which is another, you know, interesting, interesting fact there. So let's talk a little bit about email marketing. Since I know you've sent millions of emails, you mentioned you're an email marketing nerd. What do you feel like, you know, is, is effective as, in an email marketing campaign, as you're trying to move buyers through these funnels, you know, top, middle, bottom, and you're trying to educate them, what are you seeing as effective for companies as they set up these email marketing campaigns? What are some best practices or some tips that you could share um, for people maybe just getting started with email marketing? Got it. Yeah. So one of the things is gather the right data about your subscribers from the beginning. I think what sometimes happens is people launch their email marketing strategies, which is great. Definitely launch it. Uh, but once they launch it, they realize, oh, wait, I don't have the right data about my subscribers to even funnel them into the right places. And so I know we've talked about data quite a bit, but make sure you're gathering the right data about your subscribers because when you have the right data, you can segment uh, and you can personalize your content, which is one of the things I see time and again is going to really, really, really increase your conversion rates because you can promote your product much better. You can talk about your service much better when you're talking about it in the right way to the right lead, to the right subscriber. So gather that data, segment, and keep in constant communication. I think there's a tendency with email to uh, be fired up about email marketing and to launch your email strategy. And then you're sending regular emails and then there might be a goal and you know, maybe your business gets really busy for a time and you don't email for a while. And this is a really dangerous thing to do uh, because first off, it's really hard to grow your email list. And then secondly, if you stop emailing, uh, your email subscribers start to slowly become disengaged. Uh, when you do send an email, they're going to be less likely to open it, less likely to click on it, more likely 
likely to unsubscribe. Uh, so if you are launching your email marketing strategy, get systems in place so that you can regularly send content, uh, even if that's just your weekly newsletter. Mm-hmm. So that way, at least people are recalling who you are and regularly seeing you in the inbox. And how do you how do you make sure you don't go overboard there? You definitely want to stay top of mind. You also don't want to become, you know, too too annoying and, and cause people to unsubscribe or disengage if you if you inundate them with email. What are you seeing as the sweet spot there in terms of how often should someone be emailing, you know, their their list, their, their that segment? Um, what is the best practice in terms of frequency of emails? Right. And I I wouldn't say there's any one best practice. Like I'm not going to sit here and tell you send, you know, twice a week and everything's going to be perfect Uh, because it really depends on how often can you be valuable to your subscriber? And that's different for everybody. And it depends on your time. The thing is that people are going to stay subscribed if you're valuable to them. They're not going to unsubscribe from your list if you're giving them all this value. And they're just not going to unsubscribe because you are a resource for them. So you can email as much as you want if those emails are really, really value packed, I see a ton of daily newsletters and they're extremely effective. They have millions of subscribers and it's because they're value packed and the audience relies on them. So frequency really depends on, on how often you can deliver value. Now, if you're sending a sales email every single day, Mm -hmm. uh, you're, you might have a problem because a sales email often doesn't give value. So you want to mix in value packed emails with more bottom of funnel conversion focused emails. And as long as your subscriber is getting that value from you, uh, they're going to stick along. Now, certain subscribers, you might be sending valuable emails and they still don't subscribe. That's okay because they are probably not your right, your right audience, your right target subscriber, because the things you're putting out there aren't giving them value. And it's okay for people to unsubscribe in that scenario. Mm Right. Yeah, I love the I love the point you make of how often can you be valuable. I mean, it really does just depend on on that. How engaging is your content? How, is it is it segmented and targeted correctly to that person based on who they are and where they are in their in their decision making process? So I love that idea of how often can you be valuable. You also brought up you know segmentation and personalization. If someone has never done that before, what are what are some of the first things that you would do in terms of if you're starting if you've just been sending the same thing out to to everyone as if everyone is the same and at the same point in their journey with you, what would you say to someone as if you're just getting started with segmentation and personalization? Kind of what does that mean and what are the best things to do initially to get started uh, with that? Yeah. So the first thing I would think about are what are the high level problems or pain points that people come to you for? And there's going to be different ones. Uh, It's not going to be the same for everyone. Uh, So going back to that food blogger example, so a vegan, someone who's a vegan is coming to the food blogger for very different reasons than someone who has a paleo diet. Uh, So understanding those high level pain points is going to be really effective in sending the right content and the right products to people. Uh, And even if you only have one product, uh, your product solves different pain points for different people. And so you, under, you need to understand which pain point am I solving? And so when you think about first starting to gather data so you can segment, think about the high level pain points that your target market has and the different ones they have and how you can tailor your content and your product and your services 
to those pain points. And so if you're going to gather one piece of data about your subscriber, figure out what that, what that high level pain point might be. And it might be, you know, food blogger, it might not be dietary preference. It might be lack of time. Like I don't have time to be cooking. Uh, it might be, you know, I don't have the confidence to be cooking or it might be, uh, you know, it's too expensive for me to cook homemade meals with all these organic foods. So figure out what the pain point is, whatever it might be. And you can figure that out through audience research, talk to your customers, find your five best customers, go call them up and be like, Hey, can you talk me through why you bought what pain point my product solved for you and gather that data. And that can help you understand what uh, questions you need to ask people at the beginning of your relationship with them. Mm-hmm. Yep. Love it. So it sounds like listening is a big, is a big key here, asking the right questions and then listening to the answers and then let your audience tell you what's important to them. Is that, is, is that fair to say Liz? Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Totally let them drive the conversation for sure. <laughs> if you can. Yeah. I mean, that's what, that's what salespeople do, you know, really effective sales experts, uh, are, are great listeners and great at letting their lead drive the conversation. And same thing of email, uh, you want to let who your lead is or who your audience member is and their unique attributes drive how you communicate with them. Yep. Same as in it person-to-person communication as it is an email. So uh, awesome. Cool. Well, I'm sure we could nerd out on this for for much longer, but I want to get to our lightning round questions. So we like to ask these to everybody a little bit fun and lighthearted. So first one is what book would you recommend to our audience and why? Everybody Writes by Anne Hanley is one of my favorite books. And why is because writing is such an important skill. And most people are okay writers, but they're not great writers. And this book makes it very accessible to everyone to learn how to write more descriptive, more interesting copy. Awesome. Love it. We'll, we'll link to that in the show notes. What is your favorite home-cooked meal uh, made by you or someone in your family? It's probably like taco salad, you know, keep it simple. Taco salad with avocado on top. Nice. (laughs) Love avocados. That's great. What software tool or app could you not live without? Uh, Obviously AWeber for (laughs) sure. But I also really love um, Slack. I mean, Slack's, you know, everyone's favorite tool, but as far as one more, sorry, I'm going to keep, you know, this is supposed to be a lightning round, (laughs) Uh, but uh, my webinar platform that I use easy webinar, uh, really like that. Okay, cool. Awesome. Easy webinar. We'll link to that uh, as well as the other tools as well. If you could go back in time 10 years and give yourself one piece of advice, what would it be? Uh, Don't be afraid to take on things you're afraid of, or, you know, just tackle your fears. I would never have gotten into public speaking if I had uh, just let my fears control what I did. Uh, So, don't let your fears control you. Awesome. Love it. And how can my listeners find you online, Liz? You can find me on Twitter under Liz Willits or on LinkedIn at Liz Willits as well. And you can find A Weber at A Weber and A Weber spelled A W E B E R. Perfect. And we'll link to your Twitter and your LinkedIn. Uh, if anybody wants to connect with Liz, highly recommend. She's, you know, a ton of value here today. Um, we'll also link to A Weber's site as well. Uh, if you need, Anything with email marketing, Liz, uh, we know where to send, uh, we know where to send folks now. So really appreciate you coming on the show today. Thanks so much for your time. Uh, thanks. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah. Th- Thank you so much for listening to today's show. You can find all the links discussed and the show notes at thesaleslift.com. That's the T-H-E sales, S-A-L-E-S, lift, L-I-F-T.com. Have questions for me? 
email me at tyler at thesaleslift.com. We look forward to seeing you back here next week. And we hope today's show brings you the sales lift your business needs. Remember, ideas plus action equals results. You've got new ideas. Now it's time to take action and the results will follow. See you next time.